we're going to look at a few passages basically in First Corinthians or in uh, Ephesians and First Corinthians. But the question that, that I think that our culture is asking, and I think even a large uh, number of folks that are involved or would claim to be involved in the church is, is it really relevant? Why bother with church? And you say, that's a real bold question to ask. I mean, we are meeting here, and I would assume that you're here today, and, and you're here um, because there's at least some sort of relevancy to you. But I, I do believe that our larger culture is asking that question. And looking at what the church is and um, what it's supposed to be. Now, that's, that's a big question. What's the church supposed to be? Well, the, the Bible gives us a biblical theology of what that looks like. So, let me, let me start out with a um, little funny story. That's your cue to laugh, even if it's not that funny. Uh, uh, there was this guy that was stranded on a, on a desert island, just himself. So he, he was there for like five years. And he gets rescued after, after about five years. And the guy that rescued him noticed that this guy had built th- three huts. And... He's like, well, you know, you're here all by yourself. He says, well, he said, I see you built a hut here, right? You built a hut for yourself. He said, yeah, this one is my home. And he said, this hut, number two, is um, my church. And the third hut is the church that I used to attend. So, <laughs> yeah, he couldn't even find, you know, that's true. He couldn't even find agreement with himself uh, as it related to church. As it related to church. So is, is, is the church relevant? And, and, I, and it's not a bad question. It's a fair question to ask. And, um, and I, I believe it is. Matter of fact, I think if we really understood the relevancy of it in our day, in our time, and even in our culture, uh, we, we would be more attentive to it. The reality of what the church is to do and to be. Uh, there is a story of a man, a church girl, wrote a letter to the editor of a newspaper. He complained that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday. Now, here's what he surmised. He says, I've gone to church for 30 years. And in that time, I've heard something like 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, he writes, he said, I cannot remember a single one of them. So I think I'm wasting my time and the pastor, the pastors are wasting their time by giving all those sermons. And man, that started a real controversy, if you can imagine. And the, letter to, and the editor loved it, you know. You didn't get all this sparring going on. And, and uh, So finally somebody writes back and they said, you know, I, have, I went to church for weeks until um, I... For, for all of my life. says, I've been married for 30 years now, this, this one writes, this man writes. In that time, my wife has cooked some 32,000 meals for me. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu for a single one of those meals. But I, don't, but I do know this. They all nourished me, gave me strength when I needed it to do my work, 
If my wife had not given me those meals, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good question. That's a pretty good answer. You know? Um, we can't see oftentimes the value of the most important things in life. Uh, that includes our families, that includes our spouse, uh, that includes our children. That All the time, we take a lot of things for granted. So I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about the church. And this is simply called the Together Church. Now we've divided church, and I have done church, in, and as I said a few weeks back, I've done church about every way you want to do church. Um, I, I've, I've, you know, I've, I, in every kind of uh, circumstance, situation, camps, you know, just all kinds of ways to do church. But it's more than just doing. Church is literally about its essence and its being. And what God has called us to do and be in this time. Matter of fact, don't give up on the church because God chooses to use the church today in all of its imperfections. In all of the things that it lacks. Matter of fact, I'll just be honest with you. I'm surprised that God uses people at all. But he chooses to use people. And he chooses to use you. And he chooses to use me. He chooses to use people who are flawed. He uses to choose people from all kinds of backgrounds. And it's, it's, it's the churches in that regard is really, really, really unique. Because it transcends all the cultural differences. And in the world, we get divided up in so many different ways. But the church, you get to come, you come together and you come together as one in Christ. And that is very Pauline. Paul, the apostle, would talk about being in Christ. Now I want you to look here in, in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm, I'm going to read this. Says, I, I am a prisoner of the Lord, serving the Lord. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. First of all, Paul is writing this. This is one of his prison epistles. Okay? He says, I'm, I'm begging you to lead a life that is worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Do you see that? Don't miss that. Make every effort. Make every effort, he says, To keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Don't miss that. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called unto one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and is in all and living through all. Oh. Powerful words. Paul, in his typical fashion, spends three chapters dealing with doctrine about what it means to be in Christ. In chapter 1, he deals with 
the reality of what it means to have forgiveness of sin and being redeemed in Christ and being having a part of his inheritance in, in Christ and, and being sealed with the Holy Spirit and God placing the promise of his Spirit within us that he claims us as his own. He seals us with the power of his Spirit. Matter of fact, if, if you have days that you struggle and you say you've been a believer for a while and you struggle with the reality of your own feelings about whether you, you even feel like that you're a part of the family of God or not, go back to chapter 1. Because Paul beautifully describes what it means for the believer's identity to be in Christ. We would say to be saved or to be a part of those who are called according to his promise. Chapters 2 deals with the reality of sin, the reality of what separates us from God, and that Jesus comes to make peace. He brings us who were at enmity or an enemy of God. He brings us together and makes us one by the working of His Spirit and by the shed blood of Christ on the cross. It's a powerful truth, a powerful reality. Chapter 3, he kind of fleshes all of this doctrine out. He kind of weaves it even more. And then you get to chapter 4, and he says, therefore. And when Paul begins to saying, therefore, Paul is getting into the ethics. He's getting into the, he's getting into the side of Christian living. He's saying, since I've said all this thing back here on the teaching side of life, now let's look at how this works out. And he says, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, he said, I beseech you to walk worthy of your calling. Now, that's, a, that's, a neat, that's another way of saying, walk like you're a Christian. Walk like you're in the faith. If you've trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, and you've been called according to His purposes, and you are in Christ, you are indeed a part of the church. And the church is, is bigger than a denominational title. It's bigger than a denomination itself. It's bigger than... It, it's the church that has been... Bought with the blood of Christ. And I'm glad that I'm a part of the great big church. It's a great big church. It includes all nations and, and, and people from different uh, walks of life and different backgrounds. And there's no, you know, the, the world is dividing things up. And the church is, is offered and the blood of Christ is offered for those who will believe a couple of things. Believe that they're and and know that they are separated from God and in their guilt without Christ, and that Jesus comes to bring us back to God, and He did that through His death on the cross and His literal bodily resurrection from the dead. And by the reality of His resurrection, and by our faith in Him and our trusting in what He has done, He has placed us to be in the body of Christ. Being in Christ. Now there's three words that Paul uses here that I want us to look at. Because it is three, these three words Paul uses to describe. And it's kind of like Paul is, is kind of back and back in now to the doctrinal side of, of being a part of God's family. What does it mean to be a part of God's family? What does it mean to be a part of the church? What does it, what does it mean? Well, he calls it, he says there's three things that relates to this. He says there is one body. And Paul is specific in using that analogy of the body. He said there is one spirit. 
And there's one glorious hope of the future. And it's not only now, but it is in future. There's three aspects to living in the life of community and doing church together and being the church as one that, that nourishes, not only nourishes our, our souls, but, bring, but brings the body together in all of its imperfections, even. And Paul uses, first of all, the analogy of the body. He said there is one, one body. He said there is one body. There is one body. The unity of the, notice here, there is the unity in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is unity in the community of the Trinity. And what God desires to do in His body, in the body of Christ, is, is for us to live out that unity and for us to live out the togetherness of being a part of the family of God. So He calls us a body. Now, you know, I, uh, that body has many parts. That body has many parts and there's many functions. And I want you to, to, to look with me in a couple of places. I want us to look, first of all, um, look in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Paul deals with uh, this reality in, in chapter 12 and in, in verse 12. And then I want you to kind of... Have 1 Corinthians in your mind as well, because I want to look at that in just a second. In chapter 12, verse, verse 4, just as, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has its own special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And notice what he said. We all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. Over the last few weeks, I, I'd been he having some pain in my heel. And I would like to say that there would be times that I'd say, okay, this heel is not a part of my body because <laughs> it's in it's pain. There's been times that I've dealt with gout in the past, and I'm thinking, it's just a big toe. How important is it? Well, it, if that joint gets inflamed in the big toe, it's important. It's important, I can tell you. There, there is pain. When there's pain in one part of the body, you just can't say, the mind just doesn't shut it down and say, oh, I'm not in pain. That's denial. No. You realize there's a signal that's sent to the, the brain, or my, either my heel hurts or my big toe hurts, and the hand goes down and does what? Oh, send signals to the brain and your body is functioning and the pain is there to tell you something. We know that. Ah, all of one body, the body of Christ. It, you know, your part in the body is really, really important. You say, well, I don't have a speaking role. You don't have to. Matter of fact, let me just kind of expand our concept of what worship is. We have a tendency to think that what the, the, what the church is about is just what you see here on Sunday morning. Let me tell you, I've been involved in the church a long, long time. And there is so much more ministry that goes along, not only with inside these walls, but with out, outside these walls, that is a part of this church. More. And let me just say this. 
those gifts that are given in ministry and in service as they're given to the glory of God are just as much an act of praise as it is to open the scripture and read it and have a sermon or to have a message or to stand up and, and, and sing to the top of your lungs with your gift of music. It's a part of worship. And when you give it, listen to this. If you will expand that out a little more, your job, every aspect of your life can be and should be an opportunity for God's kingdom to come in that area of your life, in your home, in your family, in your school, in your workplace, in all that you do. You see, we, we live with this idea that we've just got our spiritual life and then we've got all of our other life and all the other things over here. And if, if it doesn't, you know, if, if, if the... Uh, you just have a lot of things pulling at you, don't you? Don't you? You don't have anything pulling at your schedule. Ah, some of you are very, very busy. Most of us here are busier than we like to be. We're just busy. We're pulled apart here and pulled apart there and pulled this way and in that way, and then we're pulled apart internally. We're pulled apart in, in so many, many different ways. But notice here, God doesn't come to pull us apart or to make a, our lives more of a burden that we already feel the strain and the pull of, he comes to actually bring our life together and our lives together. And it's in that togetherness you have nourishment of the soul that as, you, that as we go out together, we go out in praises to God. We go out as a part of the body of Christ to minister not only to one another, but to minister in the world around us in sharing the gospel of Christ, the good news, and to share the reality of it. It's, it's a wonderful reality of God's kingdom and a part of God's kingdom. And I am so glad to be a part of God's kingdom. God has no plan B. It's just the reality of him using an imperfect body of people. But I want to tell you, listen to this. You have the privilege even this morning, as well as myself, to do something that angels long to do. Angels can sing, yes, but they can't sing about the redemption that you can sing about. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see we're one body. Why? Because there's one Savior of the body, and His name is Jesus powerful reality and when we get there in that in in our glorious future is that when we sing the angels will sit back and they'll say we got to listen to the big choir uh, Patricia you may be choir leader up there we just don't know you'd be ready right choir did so wonderful last week I was so excited um, we're gonna have a big time up there my dad always said 
yeah, he said, one of these days we'll get to sing in the big choir. I'm like, yeah, Pop, you're right. We are. We're going to sing in the big choir. And you know what? There's already some folks that we love very dearly already there in the big choir. And I want to tell you that is just as much a reality as you sitting here in this building this morning. There's something about the love of Jesus. There's something about the power of Christ. There's something about salvation. Something about the the way that He moves in our hearts and He brings us to the depth of ourselves and comes and and imparts His Spirit into our lives that actually warms your heart. It's a powerful truth. We're one body. And so there's many parts, Paul said. He says this in Corinthians as well. He says, listen, he says there's many parts to the body. He said you've got an eye and you've got, you know, you've got the fingers, you've got all the, you know, you've got all your joints and it's just amazing the physiological body of how God has made us and how he makes it all to work together, right? Isn't that cool? We take all that for granted until arthritis hits or something you know and we we take all of all of that for granted oftentimes but it's it's a marvelous reality to be a part of the body and it's a marvelous Paul says it's a mar- he said listen he said could you imagine if everybody said they're wanting to be an eye can you imagine if everybody okay we're the eye church <laughs> can you see it that if if and everybody in our church were all the same we're all just a bunch of eyes. And what you're seeing back there is you see it. In a, what if I were just one big eye up here? you say that would be freakish. It would be, wouldn't it? It would. It would be freakish. God's not, God has called us to be different. You may be just, you may be, a, you may be, a, you know, you may be a, a cell or, a, you know, a nail on the end of a finger. But don't be a hangnail. Okay. <laughs> You, you say, well, that's just it. That's, that's, well, I want to tell you something. That's a big part of, that's a part, an important part, because it's a part of the body. It's all important. It's all of an important part of the body. So he says, we're one body. Now he says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You can look there later. But he, he does that. He goes into great depth and to detail about us being body. It is, it is, it is um, deliberate. Why Paul chose to use the term body. Because the church is not a, uh, just an organizational structure that's, that's you know, that, that has hierarchy. It's, no, there's more to it than that. It is a living body, a living organism whereby the Spirit of God resides. And those, therefore, he says, there's one body and there is one Spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized in the body of Christ, and you know we're going to have a baptism service. Evie's going to be baptized here in just a minute. We're going to have a baptism service, and and the baptism itself doesn't save us, but it it's a it is basically an outward testimony that this young lady, this child, has trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. It is called believer's baptism. And it's, it's an outward expression of this inward work of God's grace that goes on in our lives. It's a cool thing. And 
the the power and reality of that is is that we are baptized in we are we are in Christ we are baptized through the Holy Spirit in Him. The moment of conversion, the moment of trusting Christ, we're baptized into the body of Christ through His Spirit. We've been made one. We've been made one. So God God comes and He lives in a new in a new tabernacle. And it is the Holy Spirit. You are indeed a temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we come together collectively as the body to grow and to encourage and, and in unity and, to, and in love, that is, if I were looking for a church, I believe there's two things I'd look for. You ready for them? I would look for, right here, in other words, teaching and preaching from a scripture, and I would look for love. I'd look for God's love. Because, I mean, those two things are just characteristic of the, of, of the body of Christ. And that is the truth of God. As a matter of fact, Paul says this in Ephesians 4.15. says, speak the truth in love. So there, there's the element of truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. If, if you find the truth bothersome sometimes, well then good. There's a lot of times that I've found it to bother me. And the times that it has bothered me, I've needed to be bothered. How about you? Don't don't push it aside and say no. That's just no. That's for, you. You begin to you begin to say, okay, Holy Spirit or God, are you trying to speak to my heart? And what are you trying to say? And amazingly, God God can bring peace in our lives. He does that in a legal sense with Christ, knowing that we are saved. But he also can bring it in a in a subjective sense as as he rules in our in our lives. So there's one Spirit. And notice here, in the, the working of the one spirit is the dynamic of the spiritual operation of God's empowering life within the church. That's the dynamic of the church. Occasionally I'll hear somebody say, um, uh, I'm going to go to Brother So-and-So's church, or, or I'm going to go to this church or that, and they'll name a name. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, you know, church really doesn't belong to to a preacher does it it doesn't this is not really my church let me tell you how i found that out i found it out in god because it's it's really you know there's a fine line in, in being my church and you and being a, a person that has to be in control of everything okay that becomes the hangnail but uh we we are we were our church was broken into years ago i hadn't been church i hadn't been pastoring long and that one Sunday we came to church and somebody had stolen a tape deck. And this was back when tape decks were really important, you know. And the, the, they'd stole the VCR out of the children's church and I was fuming. Risa remembers that because Risa and Carol were working in children's church during that time. Well, you know, I was, I was, I was filled with righteous indignation, to say the least. I mean, I was mad. And... Uh, that somebody had the audacity to break in, break in the church and steal that, and and, and uh, that Sunday it was just an opportunity for the children's church to pray, and they prayed our stuff back. And I was walking through the church, and I was, me and God were talking, okay, and I was saying something to God like, "Lord, I just can't 
believe somebody had the audacity to come in here and break in our church and to steal our stuff and to do. And I, I, it was like God stopped me in my track. I could take you to the place in the old building that it happened. I, mean, I didn't see angels or anything. Thank God I would have probably died. But it was kind of like God just spoke into my heart and he said, Greg, it doesn't belong to you. And I said, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't belong to me. Think about it. It is your church. It's not your stuff. It belongs to you. And of course they prayed. And the prayers of the kids brought it back, you know. And, but God taught me something. He, he taught me something. That it doesn't. That, that I'm only called to do what I'm called to do. And the results are his. So it all belongs to Jesus. That's a way to give your gift to the Lord. Is this the Lord? Here's, here's, a, here's, here's a message. Here's my gift. Here's my offering. Here it is. It is given to you. No strings attached. It is for you and for your glory. You do with it what you please. And I pray that it brings you glory and honor. That's a good way to live. I mean, that's the no strings attached kind of way of living. I mean, it's a free way of living. You know, a free heart that says, God, I'm just giving it down. I'm giving it to here to you. And, and it's yours and it's for your glory and is given by the empowerment of your spirit. Anyhow, I don't have anything within myself that I can bring to a king. One spirit. And then he says there's one glorious hope. Listen, over a period of over 2,000 years now, with 10 Roman emperors tried to stomp out and snuff out Christianity, the message of Christ, the message of the gospel, have not. Believers all over the world today are, are worshiping, some in, in, private, in privacy or in fear of their own lives why because there was something that greater that had captivated their hearts there's a persecuted church worldwide today who are suffering persecution for the name of Christ believers from every walk of life every age who have come to a place of faith who have recognized Christ as their savior and recognized their own need Jesus has set their heart free, but yet they worship in fear. Or they worship in places unknown. Catacombs, caves. The power and reality is this, is that the church has a glorious future. And God has choos chosen if you to be a part of it. Isn't that powerful? Why? Because of your, you're some great person? No, because of his love. Because that I'm some great? No. No. Because of his love and his grace. You know, uh, there's been a few times that I've, I thought I've known better than God in how God ought to do things. Have you? 
But I always comes back. And I always come back to the reality. That God sees things, God knows things, and God loves in a deeper way than I could ever begin to imagine. And I'm glad. When you embrace the reality of the cross and the reality of Jesus and His love for you, I'm telling you, it is life-changing. What happened to me that summer night in 1976 in a part of the youth group in a Sunday night service has changed my life forever, period. And it was then that God said, Greg, I've got a glorious future for you. It's not always been so glorious. And sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes it's difficult. God, sometimes you say, is it, is it worth it? I mean, is it, is it, why bother? And God says, there's no plan B. I choose to use imperfect people in an imperfect world to bring my light and to shed my light in the darkness. You belong to me, Craig. Oh! <gasps> I forget sometimes. I don't even belong to myself. That's what Paul was saying. He is saying, I may be here in a prison, but know that I am a prisoner of the Lord. I don't belong to me. Somehow, that's what it means to be in Christ. It's not about us anymore. It's not about our lives. It's not about how good we are, how bad we are. It's not about any of that. It's about Christ and to Him be the glory and praise forever. Oh, dear loved one. The power of Jesus that captivates us, our heart that calls us into his body. Has also called you into a glorious future. You may be dealing with trials, you may be dealing with difficulties, you may be dealing with conflicts, you may be dealing with all kinds of things. I don't know, but I can tell you this, if you're in Christ, you have a glorious future. Because God has got you. Aren't you glad? Man, I tell you, if it wasn't so chilly in here, I'd say amen. <laughs> right? Aren't you glad? Let's bow our heads. The power of the cross and the power of the gospel. is that the reality is that Jesus came for us. You've not been forgotten. I can't tell you the dynamic of what happens in the human heart. I can't even explain it well. Other than in terms that Paul has given us. But when he places us in the body of Christ... It is an inward work of His grace. He places us 
and calls us to confess our sins, to turn from our sin, and to embrace Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. When we come to Christ as Savior and Lord, we come with that humble recognition that, man, we have a need in our lives. But there is a love that goes deeper than our need to draw us to Himself. You know, I would think that a great way for a person that is uncertain about their own eternity would be to trust Him. To simply say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I trust You as my Savior and my Lord. I trust in what Jesus did on the cross to be sufficient. When He said it is finished, I trust that it is sufficient for me to be brought into a right relationship with you. Let me ask you, have you trusted Christ and are you trusting Christ for your eternity? I'm not asking you, are you trying to be a good person? Or to be a better person? I'm asking you, are you trusting and are you banking on Jesus and what he did? To be your one and only hope. It's amazing what he does. In transforming our lives. When we simply say yes to him.